brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Waiting for us here. Previously on the Woody and Wilcox Show. My wife is heading out of town this weekend, so I'm in charge of the girls. So last night was laundry list of emergency numbers and contacts and things like that because she doesn't believe that I can actually handle the girls. Something well, bad I think is going to happen. Anybody even who's just listened to the show may feel the same way as she does. So. I'm not sure that she can be blamed. Lots of folks calling in, though, to prove that your theory that it's only an old wives' tale that something goes wrong when one parent leaves. Lots of folks would like to uh, argue with you on that. 844-4WW-SHOW, the way that you can get through. Jeff? What's up, Jeff? Hey, guys. Uh, Well, uh, my my mother went on a vacation with my grandmother, and they went off. uh, Well, within about, I would say, an hour of them leaving, my dad was just, you know, in the garage working, and uh, we were playing, me and my sister were playing tag in the back, and she ended up uh, spraining her ankle. Well, my dad, in all the chaos, he just gets us in the car and starts taking us to the hospital. Well, I guess he was uh, a little too focused on that, and he left the garage door open, so when we, uh, uh, we get back to the home, we were missing our grill. Uh, a couple framed the NASCAR photos, and they emptied the outdoor refrigerator of all the beer we had. Oh, oh my God. That's... <laughs> he's, 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 so, he's more upset about that than my sister. When we <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a double whammy. <laughs> right. right. Oh, no. no that's something that would happen to Scott. Especially not the framed NASCAR poster. And not all the, the beer. beer. <laughs> Don't even have a beer to get over it. It's horrible. <laughs> That's too bad. Yeah, I can see that. And he's trying to do the right thing by rushing her off to the hospital. It's not his job to lock up the beer. He you can't be held always responsible. Always lock down the Dale Earnhardt frame photograph, okay? Always. Right. Man, uh, we appreciate the call. We'll learn. Yeah, that's, that's right. Problem. Thank you, guys. Mallory is on the line at 844-4WW-SHOW. Mallory, what's your story? So my mom went out of town for a work trip when I was like 17, and my dad was like, oh, okay, mom's gone. I'm going to take you out for sushi. So we go eat. I wake up that night at like 4 in the morning with like a fever of like 105, and I'm like, oh, crap, like I'm really sick. So I wake him up. I'm like, hey, I don't know like what's going on. He's like, oh, you probably should have the flu. Go back to bed. So for two days, I stayed home with a crazy high fever, couldn't keep anything down. And finally, I'm like, I think I need to go to the ER. He's like, you're being a baby. He's like, you can drive yourself if you think that. So I drive myself to the ER. They check me out. I get admitted within 10 minutes, and they're like, you have a severe infection in your colon. 
we don't know what it's caused from. You might have to go into emergency surgery, like super fast. So I call him and he's like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, no. So I call my mom. She's in Minnesota. I was living in Ohio at the time. So she's trying to get flights back, but the weather's bad. So she's calling him. Finally, she gets in town. I had been in the hospital for a week. Wow. She didn't talk to him for like a week after that either. (laughs) So the idea is that you think you got that from sushi? Yeah, it, they confirmed it was like a parasite or something that had been in the food, most likely. And they could have probably nipped it in the bud had you gone early enough. Yes, you but I got super sick from it. Had you had a lot of illnesses in the past that maybe you were overly dramatic about? Oh, absolutely. I was totally that kid. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so there is another right, side. Okay. There is precedent. <laughs> Thank you for being honest about that, Mallory. Oh, yeah, of course. What what was the ultimate outcome? Did you have to have surgery or did it just pass on its own? No, I didn't. They ended up, I was on like six different antibiotics and fluids and it ended up like clearing itself out. But it was for a little bit, it was really weird. And I was quarantined for like two days because they thought it might have been like a blood infection. (laughs) So your colon is okay now is what you're saying? Yes. I am healthy. Thank you. you. Josh on Facebook is throwing his wife under the bus here. I'm not sure if this counts. And yes, it does count. My wife took our five-year-old on vacation for a week with her sister's uh, family and so forth. The last day, uh, there was a mishap on a golf cart and my son broke his thigh and had to have rods surgically implanted in his leg while... It happened on my wife's watch. Mm. The worst thing that's ever happened to him on my watch is we both got bloody noses fighting with lightsabers. (laughs) (laughs) Use the force to stop your nose from bleeding. Both got bloody noses. How does that happen? Congratulations, Josh. That's fantastic. That's that's pretty awesome. I've imagined that one of them got hit and the other one's older and was doing physical exercise and caused the nose to bleed let's talk to uh i didn't understand what you just said Mike, you need to get older and you're out of shape and then you try to exercise and your nose starts bleeding you've never had that i've never heard of that oh i'm the only fat guy on the show (laughs) god you both are is that a a fat thing i don't i I don't or an old thing i don't know what you're i told you i've never had a nosebleed all right we can dig into that later because i've never You're saying that when you exercise, sometimes your nose bleeds? <laughs> yes. I think that may just be you, right. and you may want to see, see somebody doctor. about that. Mikey is on the line. He's got a story for us. Mike, what's up? Hey. So the uh, I was at a birthday party with the kids, and they were playing in the kiddie pool in the front yard, and somehow Jasmine, my younger daughter, ended up in the middle of the cul-de-sac in the middle of summer with bare feet. And so that's how she got the uh, spurned feet. Uh, so it uh, really... That, it burned the bottom of her feet. Yes, yeah, yeah. She was very upset about it and uh, and didn't know how to get back to the grass after she was out in the middle of the cul-de-sac. <laughs> well, you, you panicked. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree is what you're saying. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what, like, so I, mean, I understand why Cynthia would do that with Woody because I wouldn't trust him either. Did, I mean, was there medical treatment required for the uh, for the burned feet? I think somebody had burn spray or something like that that we put on our feet. Um, you know, it, it was better by the end of the day. Okay, so there wasn't a hospital visit required or something? 
No, not that time. Uh, not that time. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Matt uh, on the Facebook page. Send us a message. Woody, there's a reason that your wife is giving you all the emergency contact numbers. Maybe one of your daughters can't get their jacket off, and you might need that. <laughs> oh, we got to play right. the call now. <laughs> 911, police, fire, medical. Yeah, we got a problem here. My wife is struggling in her jacket, can't get it off. She's struggling in her, in her jacket. jacket. I want a 911 up here immediately. Okay, what's cool? Is she not breathing? or She's all right. She just can't get her damn jacket off, ma'am, and I'm pissed about it. <laughs> All right. Did she leave the number to 911 for you? <laughs> no. Here's how to dial 911. It's 911. The following program is for entertainment purposes only. Really? That's amazing. It's the Woody and Wilcox Show. They simply couldn't imagine being without each other with Woody. Ah, what the hell is the matter with you? And Wilcox. Oh, brother, this guy stinks! It's the Woody and Wilcox Show. This is insanity! The Woody and Wilcox Show. This is like, you know, when you're getting your legs waxed and they whip that thing off real fast. That's what this is like. And now, it's the Woody and Wilcox Show. I've been through this a million times in all my years in the theater. Take a deep breath. Blow it out. Let's just do a good show, okay? Everybody do a good show. It's funny after uh, talking about the uh, injuries that happen while on someone else's watch, right? Right. A lot of folks, I don't know what's going on with me. A lot of folks contributed on social media after the show yesterday, and uh, it became sort of a... Just a spot of angriness. I don't know if you've looked at the Facebook page, but there are, you know, and it's both it's both men and women sort of just complaining, taking this opportunity to really let out frustrations <laughs> about an ex, right? Because that's, uh, <clears throat> you know, if it's somebody that you're still with or somebody that you're married to and you're very much in love, then it's just, ha-ha, it's a funny story. But when they're no longer with you, now this is just an opportunity to just yeah, give him the business. Which I got to tell you, I get it, but it's not as fun. Let's just put it that way. And, and traditionally, and I grant you, you might get confused by this, we try to have fun with it, you know, on the radio. And and so the angriness doesn't really carry that same sort of lighthearted goodness. Mm. But you know what? Appreciate it either way. You're taking the time. You're writing it out. And uh, and that's uh, that's fantastic. I uh, <clears throat> I haven't been able to focus a whole lot on other things today because, as you know, uh, one of my one of my man crushes is on the show today, <laughs> and I'm not proud of this at all. This has become what do you mean sort you're of not a, proud uh, of it. No, I'm not. It's because why would I be? It's become debilitating to be honest with you because I can't focus on the other things that have to do with the show today because I know Jim Norton's going to be on the show in the last hour, <clears throat> and I just can't fully focus on stuff. Um, and it's it's not. It's not the way I want to live my life. That's all I can say. And and you would think when you know you're going to have, uh, you know, a bit of time with someone that you think is hilarious and that you enjoy their work, that should be a pleasurable thing, right? You should anticipate that with with fun and frivolity in your heart. And yet all I can do is is sort of obsess about it. And um, I, uh, I here's the good part. You're not me. So this is going to be good for you. I know. I tell myself that yeah, every day. It's going to be right. Isn't that the positive out of all this? Y- yes. You're not me. And so uh, it's going to be fantastic. So uh, comedian Jim Norton will be with us, I think, probably for the whole last hour of the show. And if you're not familiar for some reason, 
you're in for a treat. Make sure uh, make sure you're back with us for that and check out the podcast later. Also, a funny guy, Christopher Titus, is going to be on with us this morning, too. That'll be a little bit earlier in the you, show. Are you saying the show's going to be funny today? Because we're no. not going to be talking so much? Right, because it's not us. It's people who are actually funny. If you want to call that the show, then I guess, yes, that is accurate. Well, fun with football, too. Yeah, we do have fun with football. Nice new batch uh, of stuff that sounds dirty out of the broadcast of college and uh, NFL games. So we've got that on the docket as well today. Uh, we've got a chat. We've got an it happening in Florida, and we'll uh, get to those coming up here next. The, the, the Woody and Wilcox Show. Woody and Wilcox present. Stuff happening around the globe. They said chat. Damn right. The Shet Report on the Woody and Wilcox Show. I thought this was uh, pretty interesting. Did you see that the uh, race for president is over? I don't know if you saw that, and I don't see. I didn't feel like it got the media attention that it should have. I thought you already declared it over once Mike Tyson said that he was voting for Donald Trump. I did, and apparently we were the only ones who said that because it seems like the campaign for president has continued to go on even after that, even after Gary Busey threw his hat in the ring for Donald Trump. I thought, as you did, Those were going to be the things that clearly just put a stop to it a year early. And I think we all sort of were hoping because it's a tedious process and it starts way too early and you get burned out on it. But neither of those things actually ended the race for president. But now, as of this morning, it's over. I don't know what you're thinking. Oh, is that because Trump is, is going on Saturday Night Live tomorrow, which he is, by the way, if you didn't remember that, he's going to be the host of SNL tomorrow night. Yeah, there's big controversy on that. What's the controversy there? Uh, so, well, people don't like Trump, and then there are FCC rules that state you have to get e- give equal time to all the candidates. And Hillary is hosted. Right, but then you've also got Jeff, and you've got Ben Carson. Well, obviously, there's 100 you, candidates, right. And you have to give equal time. Wait, what do you mean there's been an uproar? That literally, or there's somebody complained and right. has started a GoFundMe site? Uh, no, there's been some question as to whether or not this is legal for him to host it while he is running for the nomination. And what NBC would do should, you know, these nuts come and say, I want equal time. And that how fantastic! How fantastic would that be, right? These nuts, right? These nuts, yeah. These nuts. Tell me about it, right? These nuts. I understand. These nuts. Yes. These nuts. Right. These nuts. It would be great. These nuts. Right. These nuts. Yes. These nuts. These nuts. I think it'd be fun if that happened. Absolutely, we'd love to see that. Or the cat. The damn right, the cat. Limber Butt McCubbins should get time hosting us. Well, none of that is actually what I'm talking about, although it'd be interesting to see how that does play out. I'm talking about the new ads that Ben Carson put out that are clearly going to cement up the presidency. Did you uh, did you see him? Uh-uh. Not making this up. These are the uh, new ads that just rolled out uh, for Ben Carson. Fear. Vote. Vote. Inspire. Vote. America became a great nation early on, not because it was flooded with politicians, but because it was flooded with people who understood the value of personal responsibility, hard work, creativity, innovation, and that's what will get us on the right track now. Just clarifying, this is a commercial for Ben Carson as he runs for president. Okay, this is the parody one. When are you going to play the real one? This is the real one. 
I'm Ben Carson, and I approve this message. Paid for by Carson America. I have no idea what the message was because there was a fourth grader playing a recorder in the background. (laughs) How dare you? I believe the message may have been vote for Ben Carson. I heard him say that a couple of times over and over again. Did the guy actually rhyme the word awesome with Carson? I think, yeah, I think that was happening in there. That's why the terrorists hate us. By the way, what's funny is he's now been approached. Ben Carson has about these ads, shockingly, people wanting him to comment on them. And um, he was asked if they thought they were a good idea. And his answer, I'm not kidding, was, quote, you know, I support you know, them doing that. But, you know, I probably would have taken a little different approach. Mm. That's him on his own ads. Way to put a line in the sand. (laughs) So it's good to see he's running his own campaign. Right. (laughs) This is... Remember when I had to to go to that debate watching party because my 95-year-old grandmother wanted to do it? I'll take Mm. your word for it. The only thing I remember from that is him saying... Well, I never really thought about running for president until people thought I should. So here I am, basically, is what he said. So this doesn't come as a surprise. Well, and I will say this, as people are giving him a hard time. I mean, I, who are we to throw stones at this? Um, I feel like it's better than the previous ad that he was running. Did you hear that? Because no. I thought that wasn't quite as good as this last one. Morning in the kitchen. You're frying and egg. I'm squeezing some oranges. The room is getting hot. Over at the counter, I shake the salt. You take out a knife. Please don't cut my testicles. Please don't cut my testicles. Please don't cut my testicles. Don't cut my testicles. It's a nice day. Relax. It's a little more veiled and not quite so obvious that he's trying to get you to vote for him there because of all the testicle talk. But uh, to your point, Chelsea... A lot less recorder in that one. Yes. So, you know what? You but take the good with the bad. Same message, though, right? Uh, I don't think he ever wants you to cut his testicles, although there's less sort of begging for you to vote for him. So, I don't know. It's tough, actually. I'm not sure which one is the better one. The Woody and Wilcox Show. When we play It Happened in Florida, you may know this. Woody and I are going to share three stories real quick. All of them are true stories. We're not making these things up. It's a... It's really a celebration. We, uh, you know, you've noticed over time that Florida is the birthplace of Goofy in our great land. And so you, you celebrate. You want to give him a tip of the cap. And that's why if you can spot the Florida story from the other two first, well, that's how you walk away a winner. 844-4WW-SHOW. Woody, number one. Story number one is uh, related to a lot of stories we have on It Happened in Florida. It involves an amount of drugs lodged in the buttocks of a man. I'm sorry, in the what? The buttocks. That's what I thought you said. I'm sorry. However, this one's a little bit different in that he argued in front of a judge that the cops should not be allowed to, quote, pry open the clenched cheeks of my uh, client to retrieve the cocaine. Take it out of the backside, put it in my hands. That's exactly right, Chelsea. It's not just loose in the back seat. Uh, undisputed was the fact that the man was subjected to a search, a strip search, and then had the forcible manipulation of his buttocks to locate the evidence. And that should be illegal. 
remember when you ran into my backside? And naturally you think, hang on a second. The cops shouldn't be allowed? There's no way a judge is going to... Judge said you're right. Sorry, we can't keep that cocaine as evidence. Sure, we would have found it in the jail, but you would have had an additional sentence of introducing contraband into a, a facility. So you took it out a little too early. You have to dismiss it. Big butt, big pay? Was it in Florida where they said, no, you know, if he's clenching really hard, you can't look there. That's his own private space. There has to be diligent follow-up on the back end. That's correct, Chelsea. Story number two, um, when you hear about a school having to go into lockdown, that's always a terrifying thing, right? What's the first thing that runs through your head when you hear something like that? Fugitive on the loose. Fugitive on the loose, right? That's a good guess, sure. Woody, you have a thought on uh, what that might be uh, caused by? Well, sadly, I think there's a lot of ridiculous stuff. Um, like what, a kid ate the Pop-Tart into the shape of a gun? That wouldn't be my first, but uh, there was a situation where a kid ate a Pop-Tart. Uh, I was thinking of the obvious, a stapler. Stapler is the correct answer. A school in this particular state went into lockdown. Uh, this happened on Wednesday of this week, as a matter of fact, because a child was holding a stapler. We all have seen the horrible work that staplers can do, mm-hmm. keeping papers together. That's not something we can tolerate in this day and age in schools, and I think we all know that. That's why this school was shut down over a stapler. I have a few more details, which I'll share momentarily. My question is, was it Florida? Woody has the third and final story. They say hell hath no fury like a woman scorned, right? Mm. And they also say you should never eat a pregnant woman's Oreos. Am I, I right? I hadn't heard that <laughs> one. That's actually the second yep. part of that phrase. Chelsea, you've been pregnant. Is that is that a fact? Yeah, it is. That's why it's sort of understandable that the woman in story number three, who sadly is behind bars... Uh, is she's a pregnant woman and she's accused of assault with a deadly weapon after her baby daddy ate the last of the Oreos. Assault with the deadly weapon, by the way, was her cell phone that she repeatedly threw at his head for the criminal act of eating the last of the Oreos. And and look, well, Cox, you've been around pregnant women. Mm. I have as well. Mm-hmm. Dude should have known better. She is using the stand your ground defense. And the fact that she felt that her life was threatened by him eating the Oreos and that justified the deadly weapon. Is it in Florida? Looks like Frank is up first to try and solve it. All three stories are true, Frank. Which one went down in Florida? Mm, I'm going to have to go with story number three, I guess. You're going to go with story number three, and you'd be right. Nice job. Palm Be- uh, Palm Beach, Florida is where it went down. It's easy for you to say. Story number two, where the school was shut down due to a stapler. Uh, Southbridge, Massachusetts is where this one went down. It was a middle school. And I know what you're thinking. Somebody was running around stapling people, causing uh, right. you know, horrible injury. Now it was just uh, somebody saw a kid holding a stapler and thought, yeah, that looks like a gun. And immediately alerted authorities who, of course, in this day and age, immediately react in a really, really over-the-top manner. And the school was shut down until authorities could determine that he was merely attaching two pieces of paper to one another. 
And in uh, Portland, Oregon, is where the police officers will no longer be allowed to manipulate your buttocks. Oh, fantastic. Mm-hmm. I won't go there. It's the Woody and Wilcox Show. Come on! Yep, that means that it's fun with football time. There was a Thursday night NFL action last night, and another team remains undefeated. Look at Cincinnati Bengals being 8-0. and Granted, it was Cleveland last night, but uh, they left no doubt. I think it was 31-10, I want to say, was the final in that one. So, But a nice uh, setup of games this weekend, college and NFL for that matter. But whether you're a fan of football, eh, doesn't matter. This is where you bring out your inner 12-year-old and point and giggle at stuff taken out of context from the broadcast of college and NFL football games. It's our fun with football audio. Here we go. Jared Allen recently signed from the Bears on a stunt. He comes clean, hits luck right in the sternum. Sternum. Russell Wilson steps up. You know, he's got the back door there just wide open. Then he got elevated. That he did. I'm getting elevated just thinking about it. You got to dig in there with your hands and ride the center. I thought Cam pulled out too quickly. It's a costly mistake. You never want to pull out too early. Never, never easy, though. One of the things he told his guys, you have to get off together. They need to be more in sync. <laughs> I can't have it. You go, and then you go. That's very, it's very tough. Oh, right. oh, oh. You know what I'm talking about. Oh. Coach preaches the number one mantra for his football team is what, guys? It's all about the ball. <laughs> balls. <laughs> balls. I don't the remember. texture of the balls is very easy to identify. Right. So I'm not squeezing the balls. I'm not rubbing them. It's all about the balls. Harry balls. All right. Harry balls. All right. Harry balls. Okay. Balls. All right. I've handled dozens of balls. I get it. To me, those balls are perfect. All right. The Harry Balls Government Center. Okay. The Harry Balls Government Center. What I think is happening is the balls are getting wet in the umpire's sack. Are we done? Thank you. And Jonathan Stewart pounds the backside. (laughs) Get a room. Davis, Keekly, the harder it gets, the more they like it. It is Frank Gore up inside. Hey, yeah. Ah! i tell you one thing. John Fadul's he got lambasted from behind. <laughs> <laughs> lambasted is what he got from behind. Yeah. Wow. Remember when you ran into my backside? Yeah, that was a lambasting, Chelsea. Let Cam Newton, the $100 million man, slam it inside. Oh, yeah. Will I ever, right? And then divorce him and take a couple of drinks. Well, he got a good push in the middle, and yet not feeling the backside pressure. What about the old backside, Chelsea? You seem to know something about the pressure, right? Take it out of the backside, put it in my hands. Okay. Michael Bennett, great with his hands. It's one thing to get the sack. It's another to get the ball out. Oh, no. <laughs> Please, I'm begging. No more. Balls. All right. Balls. All right. Balls. Yeah, I got it. Look at that. Everybody's standing up. Now, who's going to come where? There they go. Come around there, and Dix comes up. (laughs) He's a grown man out here. (laughs) He's a grown man out there. Well, you 
you see Fozzie right here. He's just going to hit that hole, that A-hole right there. Did a great job in opening up that hole. He's going to hit the A-hole, right? Well, you see Fozzie right here. He's just going to hit that hole, that A-hole right there. Did a great job in opening up that hole. Did a great job. If it smells bad, don't eat it. Yeah, I would agree with you on that one. Stick your face in this box and inhale deeply. There it is. That's your fun with football audio. You're welcome. After the show, it'll be up on the podcast. You can find that on the Woody and Wilcox channel of iHeartRadio. Funny dude by the name of Christopher Titus going to join us here at the next break. It's the Woody and Wilcox Show. You remember him, I'm sure, from the TV show that was on Fox back in the day called Titus, appropriately enough, and now uh, tours this great land of ours, making tremendous comedy specials, doing stand-up everywhere, and uh, he's on the phone with us now. Titus, it's been a while, man. What's up? Uh, I'm up here in L.A. getting ready to get on a plane, actually coming out there to do the new show. I'm, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. Always a little scared, though, with the new material. You're a little scared with the new material? Eh, you never know. You just never know, man. But you started doing stand-up at 19. Are, do you really get nervous bringing new stuff out? Yeah, man. You know, you got to get nervous. Even Springsteen gets nervous. You know, Springsteen, when he goes out every night, he gets nervous. I, you, I, think, I think the day you, start, you walk on stage thinking you're the man and you own it, I think that's the day you should quit. You should just walk off. Don't you guys ever have a bad morning on the radio, or are you guys always geniuses? Oh, God. No, we're never geniuses, so the bar is so low. Right. <laughs> You're never nervous. We're never nervous because we know it's going to suck. Yeah, yeah. We said words that were, that were recognizable. That's enough. <laughs> and by the way, for what it's worth, you mentioned Springsteen. I think you're way funnier than Springsteen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, on the open mics we used to go to, I would destroy him. <laughs> but he's a guitar act, and I hate those. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking to Christopher Titus, and uh, last time we spoke to you, man, you were the uh, it was the Angry Pursuit of Happiness tour. Yeah, it's the Born with a Defect tour. What is uh, what's is there m- meaning behind that? Yeah, we're all we're you know I I was I was born with a defect. I'm always honest on stage. I was born with a defect. I was born a child. It's always amazing to me that how like how the hell do human beings run anything? I mean. Every Every other animal has instinct or ability when it's born. Dolphin swims for its first breath. Deer walks in an hour. But a human child needs two adults around it for five years so it doesn't choke on a damn Cheerio. Like, <laughs> right. how, do, how, do we, how do we survive? There's just nothing we do. We can't even survive unless a nipple is shoved in our face every two hours, which I still believe to this day. Uh, <laughs> we're just screwed up. Every other animal is instinctively afraid of fire. Human beings learn about fire by touching fire. How the hell did we get the keys to the planet? So it, it started out like how stupid kids are and how we're, how we're born so dumb. It ended up 90 minutes about having my kids and my, and my divorce going sour and, and raising kids in a divorce. And it's, it's probably one of the best things I've written. It's really good. We're talking to comedian Christopher Titus. How, how's your life going now, man? I know it's been a, uh, a happy, roller coaster. I'm happy, dude. It's weird. I got this great woman. Well, you see, here's the difference. I, got, I have an ex-wife and a new wife. My new wife is everything my ex-wife isn't. She's, she's smart. She's beautiful. She's, she's really funny. Uh, she's, she's 5'11", uh, and my, my, my ex-wife is closer to hell. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> she's and standing so, right there, isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> no, she's not. Uh, there's a story I tell in the show. My daughter, we went to, um, my daughter had eighth grade graduation. So we go to this thing, and uh, long story short, my aunt has reserved a seat because we had to take, um, we got there late, and she reserved a seat directly behind my ex-wife. 
So now you've got my ex-wife sitting in front of my new wife who don't like each other, my aunt and my wife's mother sitting across from each other. They don't like each other, and, and I, I, I don't like half the people there. My kids go to a Christian school. If the church knew how much evil was in that section, uh, like the Jesus on the cross was like, hey, guys, does anyone see what's going on over here? So <laughs> We're chatting with comedian Christopher Titus. At one point, they start talking about mothers, and mothers are great, mothers are the best thing in the world, mothers raise babies, and they turn them into adults. They ask all the mothers to stand up. And, well, my new wife's been raising my daughter half the time for nine years, so my new wife stood up, and my ex-wife stood up right in front of her. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and then, then they go, yeah, the tension is cr- – I mean, I'm in a church, man. It's, I'm, I'm like going, like my gut. I'm, I'm growing a tumor as the ceremony's going on. <laughs> so then they go, we'd like to hand every child one of the ro- uh, a yellow rose to take out to their mother. And the Jesus on the cross just got a pry bar and got himself off. I'm out. I'm leaving. (laughs) (laughs) And they they start handing roses to these kids. My daughter gets up to the thing, and the the pastor goes, uh, hands her the roses. My daughter doesn't take it. She looks the pastor in the face, and we see my daughter, who's now 13, mouth, I have two moms. And he shoves the rose in her face, and she goes, I need another rose. And he's, just, he's kind of shaking it at her, and he, no one in the church knows what's going on. I'm freaking out. The kids behind her are like, what the hell? And, my, and the pastor goes, we don't have another rose. Take it! And my daughter says, fine. In front of a church full of people, she grabs the rose, holds it in front of her pastor, and rips it in half. <laughs> she walks down the aisle, rips, out, rips it in half even further, hands half to her new mom, half to her old mom, hugs them both. And I thought, this kid is either the most – like I, I, as a parent, you always wonder if you're doing the right thing. I made this kid either the most righteous, stand-for-right kid on the planet, or I've raised the biggest a-hole in a pla- on the planet who has no problem ruining a church. Or it's maybe a, a metaphor for her childhood. She just held up the rose. All right, parents, you guys see, this is me. I'm going to rip it in half because this is what you guys did to my soul. Good night, everybody. <laughs> wow. You may remember him from back in the day on his show called Titus on Fox. It's Christopher Titus that we're chatting with. It's amazing what they'll, how bad they can be. Like my son, my son is 11, and he's the dumbest human being on the planet. I don't know what it is. 10 to 14-year-old boys are by far the stupidest subspecies on the planet Earth. My, I came down one morning, my son is sitting watching TV, and he has on no pants. I, I don't mean he has an underwear and no pants. I mean he's sitting on the couch wearing absolutely no pants and a long T-shirt. And I go, what the hell are you doing? He goes, I'm watching cartoons. And, and you can't choke up, you know, the, you know, the laws are different. You can't knee him in the face. My dad didn't have those laws, which is why I'm not symmetrical. <laughs> <laughs> As a parent, like, I find myself, like, because you can't do anything. You're so mad. You, you, if you talk to him, you're going to just make a mistake. So I, I just walked out of the room going, like, you know pants are supposed to be on you, man. And you're too young to have to air it out. What the hell are you doing? And what makes you think it's okay to leave your greasy little boy taint on my leather couch. <laughs> and, and, I mean, you left a racing strap that dogs won't go near. Like, I don't believe we have a homeless problem in this country, guys. I believe that it's just parents who are so pissed off, they just started walking the neighborhood trying to figure out what their kids did talking to themselves. <laughs> <laughs> well, A, congratulations. I think I'm being the first to say boy taint on the show. <laughs> My favorite band, by the way. Yeah, that's right. They, they're opening the uh, main stage at Lollapalooza. <laughs> they're very good. Very good. Well, dude, it's awesome to catch back up with you, man. It's been too long since we've chatted. I uh, can't wait to see you. Well, thanks for tolerating me this early in the morning trying to get out jokes. <laughs> it's always fun. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a struggle for you, I'm going to be honest. Right. I've been doing meth since about 6 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Christopher Titus. Like he said, you can get all six of his specials on the website. 
Titus, Thanks. man, we really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Bye. And by the way, the website is uh, ChristopherTitus.com, and you can follow him at Titus Nation on Twitter. The Woody and Wilcox Show. We have a very exclusive club here on the Woody and Wilcox Show. Do you, know, you remember what that club is, Wilcox? I don't know what you mean exactly. Uh, it's the people who have farted on live TV club. <laughs> I, that's not really our club, no. is it? I mean, what do you mean? Well, we're our we're a collector of those people, oh. and a uh, perhaps um, we archive that footage because it is such a rare occurrence. I mean, back in the day when Wilcox was growing up, there was live TV all the time, and now with taping and stuff like that, they can cut embarrassing segments out. So it's rare. Almost unicorn like to have a live television program, and then above and beyond that, to have somebody actually float an air biscuit during said live television program, and that's why we archive these rare moments. So we're collectors of that audio, is what you're saying. Would you say collectors or hoarders? Yes, both. Yeah, because we hoard them, we appreciate that. We're, I mean, we we collect them, we we appreciate them, we respect their value, but we're hoarders because we want as many as we possibly can get. Hmm. From back in the day when Larry King was dropping wolf's baits. Let's get first the thoughts of Congressman Rohrbach on what you've heard so far. You see any any optimism here? Just a simple little pooter right there. Now, see, that's one that I think we always debated on whether it was or wasn't. And I don't know that there was any hard evidence. I feel like that could have been a chair creaking what? as well. What would the hard evidence be? Because I feel an like admission, all... an apology, or just so evident that you all all signs pointed to yes, and it was undisputable. That one was evident, but it's visual because they cut away to his guest who starts to talk, and then there's a giant smile that's sort of like, "You just broke wind." What? We're just going to ignore the. Well, Stinky elephant in the room. Didn't you start this by saying that someone new is joining the club? That is correct. Well, who's joining the club? Bindi Irwin, daughter of Steve Irwin. The crocodile hunter? That's correct. She's on Dancing with the Stars right now. Right. And apparently this happened uh, this week on the show where I, I don't watch it, but apparently you do so good and you're guaranteed that you can't get booted. Mm -hmm. So they have the remaining dancers up there and they're making the big announcement, which couple is going to be the first one that's going to be safe? And it happens to be Bindi and her partner picks her up, gives her a big hug. And that forces a little bit of air out. See if you can hear it as it happens. The first couple who is safe is... Bindi and Derek. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You heard it right there at the end. She turns, they, they do the touchdown, their arms are up in the air, and literally he picks her up in his arms and gives her a big bear hug. But why does it sound like there's a mic well, they're wearing, down in that region? Well, they're wearing body microphones, right? Yeah. Again? Both of them have On body, the front, up near right, their chest or right. lapel. But as he picks her up and lifts her, that puts her derriere closer to his mic. And it's muffled by all the stuff that they're both wearing. That's why the awkward audio. <laughs> no. It, that sounds like a mean? muffled keyhole. That's what it's like. It's a muffled. Keyhole? Yeah. I don't know if it's all that. It's keyhole. Yeah. If it were muffled. 
or an old woman with emphysema. Yeah. There's like six things that it could I, be before that. I, I, I agree. I feel like you're putting it into the archives a little prematurely. I, I don't there know is that there's a distinct <laughs> I, No, I agree with Chelsea. There's an open mouth quality to it that's almost ah, sort of that sort of thing. Listen again and hear the <laughs> <laughs> That last one is like, it's like a seal. There's no way like that is what you think it is. the woman who falls when she's stomping grapes? A seal. Almost like, what would you say, a barking spider, perhaps? Yeah, no. I, yes, it's more like the grape lady. You're right. Absolutely. I know I have that audio somewhere, but I don't know if I can produce it that quickly. But I think we all know the audio that you're talking right. about. I think less conclusive than the um, Barney Frank when he was being interviewed on CNBC. We have to figure out, all right, what do we do from here? And you're right. We've got to get some jobs. And we have to deal with the debt. And there's one way to do it. Really? Right. Is it? Is it? Or is it? No. I don't no. know. I'm not willing to concede it yet. Barney Barney Frank is no Bindi Irwin. Just I that. will agree with that in most ways. Although when you're talking about the archives of this particular thing, I feel like he is a few steps ahead. Let's just not rush into it, okay? Yeah. I, I this, believe... Something this important shouldn't be rushed into. There I, needs to be balances and checks. I agree, but I want to submit her for nomination for membership. Absolutely. Submitting is fine, and uh, we'll get back to you in a couple of weeks. It's the Woody and Wilcox Show. It seems like filing a petition against something you don't like has become a lot easier thanks to websites uh, like uh, PetitionSite.com and Change.org. There's a bunch of them that are out there. We talked a little bit earlier about how there was a group that was filing a petition to stop Phil Collins from coming out of retirement. That's right, yes. How dare they? You're right. It's not just the world of music and politics, though. Uh, it, it extends to the world of sports. Did you see that there is a petition from Seattle's 12th man, Seattle Seahawks fans, to ban Joe Buck and Troy Aikman from broadcasting Seahawks games? Because just like you and I, they're not Joe Buck fans? Uh, no, it has to do with their actual call of the games. They say that Troy Aikman and Joe Buck, uh, while they do the games, they are commentators. They need to be sensitive to both fans. But their comments heavily favor any and all of the Seahawks' opponents. And the comments from, from uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman have become increasingly critical and degrading of the Seahawks. Not only do we request, but we demand that these two commentators be banned from calling any future Seahawks games. Well, Seahawks, if you keep struggling, uh, you won't have to have those guys call your games because they usually only call the biggest of the games each week. The game of the week, yeah. So you'll be okay, maybe, if that continues. How many how many people would you figure would sign a petition like that? Uh, I could see a very tiny number or a massive number. 10,000. 10,000 great guests, Chelsea. 15. 15. People? Great... Yes, people. 15 people. 17,230 so far. They're looking to get 18,000 to sign up. And I got to tell you, I understand, but no matter who you bring in, they're going to have critical comments. Mm -hmm. That's what they do. Against the Seahawks. Maybe you should just drop 
English language broadcasting and go with the Spanish call like the guys who do the Carolina Panthers games. That's their call of the coin toss. Right. <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah. They do tend to have an excitement mm-hmm. to their voice, do I love they it. not? Yeah. Now, I would suggest maybe even going a different route and maybe even uh, looking outside the bounds of football and moving to a guy that you and I know pretty well who is a uh, baseball announcer but would probably add a certain flair to the Seahawks call. Changes look like this. It'll be the veteran left hander Pete Ware trying to come in and close out the eighth. He'll have his hands full, too, with runners at the corners and nobody out. Ware fires, fastball just misses outside. Ware taking a long glance over at first, staring down the runner, Bucky Park. Park not taking such a big lead, but when he does lead, he bends very low. His legs are compassed, drawn far away from each other, exposing his bundle. <laughs> now he's set, delivers, slider, swinging a miss, strike one. So one and one the count on Guy Knight. Park taking a good lead now off the bag at first, taunting just about everybody. His baggage dangling. Not black in its appearance. Very tight. I gotta tell you, Ware's eyes are bugging out like a kid seeing a package you can't wait to tear into on Christmas morning. Now Knight calls time and steps out of the box, and home plate umpire Danny McBride's had enough. He's halfway to the mound, shoulders raised, hands out as if to say, You're gonna fall in love or throw the ball. And he's right. No one can fault Ware's feelings, but he's got a job to do, according to the home plate umpire. See, I feel like uh, perhaps the Seahawks fans would like to hear more discussion of knob-like baggage that's dangling. <laughs> perhaps that would make them feel better about Joe Buck calling their games at that point. Something, Some sort of call of Richard Sherman's bundle. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe you're right. Very tight. Well, I just, you know what? The grass is always greener, I guess, is what I'm saying. You never know until you have it and then it's gone and you miss your knob-like baggage dangling. And then, I don't know, I may, let me think about that for a second. The Woody and Wilcox Show. You've heard of the term helicopter parent before, right? Yeah. This is a parent who literally hovers over their kids every single moment. And I usually think of it as a thing that happens to kids that are a little bit younger, right? Maybe at the playground or something mm-hmm. like that. And you've got the parent who's like, okay, don't play with that. You may get hurt. And they're actually out on the the play equipment trying to direct every moment of their life. When do you think being a, her- a helicopter parent should stop? What age would you say? Would 19 years old be too old to be a helicopter parent? I bring it up because a 19-year-old woman's mom is thinking about uh, pursuing harassment charges against a Starbucks barista. Oh, no. And the reason for the harassment charges is this mom and her 19-year-old daughter went to the Starbucks, got their coffees, and the barista, you know, they've got those Sharpies. He scribbled a note on her cup. And what he did, you know, there's that little warning that says, you know, careful, you're about to enjoy extremely hot coffee, blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Well, uh, he scribbled out some words so that that warning spelled out, caution, you're extremely hot. Then he put a big arrow and said, read this. She's 19. She's good looking. 
And that's what he did. Mom immediately snaps a photo of it, posts it on Facebook. I'm thinking about press and harassment charges. What's the big idea? Blah, 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 blah. This is my 19-year-old daughter you're talking about, you pervert. The words exactly were scribbled out to say, caution, you're extremely hot. That's all it said. So he didn't, the barista didn't even write anything. Why are he you just, saying it weird like that? Because <laughs> it's fun. Um, he just took a Sharpie to, to take out some words. And this mom is upset because her 19-year-old was upset or she's just projecting her own feelings. That's exactly what it is, Chelsea. The 19-year-old didn't even comment, didn't even care. 19-year-old's like, I have a fiancé. You can write whatever you want. That's a bigger problem, I feel like, than this coffee issue. But she's not 12. She's 19. And I understand that some 12-year-olds can look 25 these days. Mm -hmm. So that might be an issue if she were younger. But why is the mom even getting involved? She have any jurisdiction over this girl's life anymore? She's technically an adult. That is true. Although I think it, it sort of sends a bigger signal that she's still a helicopter parent over her daughter at 19 and complaining about what is essentially a compliment, right? Right. You you go to, instead of talking to the manager and going, I'm, I'm upset at this or I feel this way, you immediately turn to social media to vent your frustrations. Well, you know people are professionally upset these days. Are you not aware of the country that we live in and the times that we live in? This wasn't you even don't in- have conversations with people face-to-face, my friend. This was in London, not even in this country. Uh, it's not just America. It is the times and the technology that allows us to not have any actual back and forth with a human being. It's all handled through social media or, and the media. Or coffee cups, right? Because kudos to the priest and not going, wow, you're hot. Well, I don't have any problem with what he's doing if it's all, you know, on the up and up. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting way to tell somebody that you like him. Why, what's wrong with that? That's what Starbucks said when they were contacted and they found out about this. They're like, not a big deal. As a matter of fact, you know, we'll buy your next cup of coffee if you're that butthurt about it. I don't think they used those words, but I'm sure that that's what yeah. they meant with the, you know, next time the coffee's on us. You ever, uh, you ever been hit on by a barista? No, of course not. We're all too ugly on the show for them to scribble out. Caution, you're extremely hot. That's what I think the mom is really upset at, is she has never received such a compliment and therefore is lashing out against Starbucks. I mean, he didn't draw a picture of genitalia on fire and say, my mm, is really hot for you or anything. Now that I have gotten on a coffee cup before. Penis. Right. If you're heading in to get your coffee this morning and you don't get that, it's okay. There's a lot of us out there that are not, quote, extremely hot. Didn't you have a barista one time write out uh, on your coffee cup that she thought you were meaty? You're a little meaty. M-E-A-T-Y. Maybe that was, maybe I just dreamed that. Never mind. It's the Woody and Wilcox Show. Normally that uh, audio would mean it's time to do fun with football audio, and we are going to do around here uh, in a little bit. But in this case, it means something far more important. Science has rung in on what city of NFL cities has the drunkest fans. (laughs) I know I haven't been able to sleep, to be honest with you, and finally I'm going to be able to lay my head down on the pillow at night without wondering... 
what city is it that has the drunkest fans? Based on what factors are we talking about here? Arrest? Well, I don't feel like I should reveal that first. I feel like you should have to answer first. Okay. I mean, I think you would, you know, I'm sure in your head you have an image, right? Even if you're not a huge football fan of just cities and how they party and the reputations that they have and so forth. New Orleans. New Orleans would be a uh, would be a good answer, I guess. Not uh, not even in the top ten. Philadelphia. Philadelphia also not in the top. What? 10. They do snowballs at Santa sober. They're just mean people. They're oh. not drunk. Kansas City. Kansas City. Green, Green Bay. That would have been my first guess, Chelsea. Good oh, guess. Cold. Five later. Well, yeah, and they they're boozers. I mean, it's Green Bay for crying out loud. Let's it's face boozers. facts. Boozers. Boozers. It's all that's, your hate can be sent. To that's not hate. I'm a huge Will fan. Cox. I'm not a Packer fan per se, but I like the vibe, and I think that's sort of the mecca for pro football. And they like to drink. Outside of New Orleans, I threw out the South because you know there's certain restrictions on drinking on depending upon what state you're in on Sunday days so i threw that out and that's why i went new orleans first i'm going to apologize to chelsea the eagles came in third i was misreading oh, i was you. misreading it so but they are not number one and terrible people as you said the correct answer you got another guess are you done ready to accept defeat new york not technically <laughs> buffalo buffalo <laughs> Buffalo has the drunkest fans in the nfl followed by detroit and then philadelphia now, how are they determining it is a better question. Drunk arrests. Um, no. Are you familiar with, I think we talked about this, the BAC tracker app, blood alcohol content tracker. This is the It's thing. an app that you can get on your phone. Yeah. And it allows you, with some modification, to track what your blood alcohol level is. Right. It turns your smartphone into the same device that the police use to arrest you. And it, obviously, it could come in handy, I, I, I suppose, if you're somebody who's out drinking. You think, well, I better check on myself. Mm-hmm. And then you've got your phone there to do it. Well, what they did was they took data from every NFL city on game day that people had blown into their phones. So maybe you don't realize this. If you're blowing your phone right now, (laughs) wink, they know about it. Just like any other time you use some of these apps, obviously they gather information. Right, anonymously. They may not keep your name or whatever, but they've got the info. Right, they know your zip code and all that, so they can go, wow, look at that. Everybody in such and such zip codes, meaning Buffalo, on average is blowing a .076 on game day when they're blowing into their BAC tracker. So oh, come on. That's still legal to drive. Yeah. Still legal. I didn't say they were falling down drunk. I just said, which is the drunkest? When you say oh. drunk, I expect... Why like, is that a letdown? A giant snot bubble coming out of one nostril. They've I... taken the blood alcohol content of every fan in all the cities and ranked them. And that's the highest on average. I would expect the highest to be like coma level, like a point two four or something. But that's not the average, Chelsea. Well, then I'm disappointed, America. <laughs> You'd right. like it to be higher for the for the number one team. Yes, yeah. somebody in the middle of the pack. I would expect to be able to still drive. I would, I would think I'm with Chelsea on this one that there should be the average should be like at a point two. Right, because you know there are guys who go there who hard charge. They tailgate beforehand. They're doing the liquor. They're drinking beers in the stadium. They're sneaking in in mini bottles. Mm-hmm. That raises the average up. And point oh seven, we can do better as a country. Who's the most sober? 
What team? What city? I'll give you a hint. You're not going to get it. At least I don't see any correlation to anything that I can think of. San Francisco. No. They were the 10th most drunk. San Francisco. Baltimore. What's your reasoning behind Baltimore? I don't know. Just a guess. Yeah. I'd rather have you come with more thought than that. Cincinnati is the soberest city in the NFL on game day. That chili. I don't believe that. Right is that what it is? Yeah. It is. Skyline chili just soaks all up, sups up the booze. You spend so much time in the bathroom, you don't have time to go get another beer. That's my reasoning. So I know what this means. It's pretty earth shattering, obviously. Mm-hmm. And some of us aren't going to be able to sleep tonight, whereas some of us who've been wondering are going to finally be able to lay our pillow on our head. What are we going to do? <laughs> if you're doing Why would we be laying our pillow on our head? I'm going to lay my head on my pillow before I lay my pillow on my head, although I wouldn't mind laying my pillow on your head. I wouldn't Just mind. holding it down for a while, <laughs> seeing what happens. Oh, the sweet, sweet ecstasy of Woody's death. Huh. Well, whatever. It's the Woody and Wilcox Show. Wilcox knows this about me, that uh, one of my favorite stupid jokes is the old, how do you get rid of a tapeworm joke? (laughs) Your favorites? You have so many stupid jokes. No, I know, but this is one of my favorites, and it always makes me laugh. That's been a recurring joke for, you know, 10 years, easy. Whenever anybody has any sort of malady of any sort, it always involves, I thought you were just supposed to wave a cookie in front of your back door and then hit it with a mallet, even if it had nothing to do with a tapeworm. Right. Right? I mean, but that's the punchline of the quote-unquote joke, yes. and he throws that out there at every possibility, probably as much as the Chinese food mm-hmm. thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll agree with all that, but did mm-hmm. you guys see that there was a dude in California that had a tapeworm in his brain? Secondarily, did you know that you could get tapeworms in your brain? I've been waving a cookie in front of my own mouth all morning and nothing seems to be happening. You got to wave in front of your ear. That's where it comes out. 26-year-old guy started getting headaches. 26-year-olds get headaches, right? He's in college. He's under a lot of stress. He's got a job. He's got a family. And then he starts vomiting due to the headaches. That's when they knew, hang on a second, something's a little wrong. He's got headaches. He can't see anymore. Blurry vision and vomiting. Is it about time to go to the hospital now? Yeah. They start doing a scan of his brain. A tapeworm larva had lodged itself inside his brain, and he needed immediate surgery to remove the tapeworm. How awesome is that? <sighs> had he been with Kim Kardashian or something? How do you pick up something like that? Um, They think it was some sort of... Unwashed salad. I thought that just gave you the E. coli. It can. The poopy hands. Give you anything. Poopy hands. Some kind of unwashed salad or unwashed food that was contaminated with raw eggs. But why would it go to your brain instead of your intestine or your colon or wherever it goes? They don't know exactly. Your brain is delicious. That is horrifying. It is. It's it's another thing to worry about. Because those things can, like, hang out in there for a while before you know, right? Well, that's the great thing about this tapeworm thing is they could be in there for mm, years and you would have zero symptoms till it started to do its thing. I feel like I'm going to vomit. 
You could have a tapeworm in your brain right now if you've ever even walked by the salad bar at a Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's accurate. I don't think it's accurate either, but I'm going to say it with enough force that people get my point. I well, doubt it. You're just going to use this as propaganda to never eat a salad, you know, as you do. And you know I love the salad bar at a Golden Corral. Why ruin it for me? They don't have salad bars at the Golden Corral. Don't lie to it's me. It's fantastic. It's behind the chocolate wonderfall. <laughs> is that what it is? Nobody yes. ever makes That's it It's there. hard to see because it's obscured by the gallons of chocolatey goodness spewing out of a fountain. I love a salad bar. Um, how, is there a test I can do for this? Can I knock twice and see if somebody knocks back? Or can you scan my head somehow? Yes, we can scan your head, Chelsea, and I'm sure we'll find absolutely nothing. Okay, that's funny coming from you. Whatever, spread my seed. <laughs> Chelsea, why would you say that? <laughs> you that's doing? not even, that's no point. There's no bearing on this. I got a disease from your monkey. Now, now that's a good point. Maybe, can you get it from a monkey? <laughs> I, bet you I got can. a disease from your monkey. If you end up eating the monkey's uh, salad, I'm sure. Or the monkey's monkey. Lucy Goosey all over town. Is it ever going to be enough for you, Wilcox? What does that mean? One day are you going to wake up and you're going to say to yourself, I think I've heard enough of Chelsea. I think I got enough of her sayings. I like to control what I hear from you, and this is the way I can do it. <laughs> by not actually talking to the real you, but by talking to the fake you. Does everybody have a beaver? See, those are the questions I can deal with. Those are the ones I'm, I'm all right handling. Remember when you ran into my backside? That may have something to do with the tapeworm, too. Don't eat salad. <laughs> a black whopper? That sounds and like then, great yeah. advice. Thank you, Woody. The Woody and Wilcox Show. Well, this is one of those days where uh, Woody and Chelsea uh, like to make fun of me quite a bit. Every day? Um, uh, because no, this is an extra special day. This is a day that I've had circled on my calendar for a year, maybe. I don't remember when the schedule came out. And I feel a little creepy saying it out loud because comedian Jim Norton is here. And Thank you. One of my... Uh, well, I, is it weird to say that you're one of my man crushes? No, it's very, it's very nice. I mean, um, it's not a sexual thing. I don't think it is. No, although I if you'd like it to be, I could work through it. I maybe. like the options being open. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think it's sexual, but there's always, it's always good to have something in parentheses. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. But that, no, that's nice. I appreciate that, man. It's always when another radio guy says nice things. It's, a, it's a nice compliment, man. I never take that for granted. Well, and it's funny you say another radio guy, and obviously you've been doing radio show for a long time. It was. Opie Anthony, and now it's just, just you and Opie. Opie and, um, but I, you know, obviously you're you're way more than another radio guy. I mean, you do the radio show, but the the comedy is is the gold, obviously. Yeah, you know, it's I don't know which I like more. The radio, people say, what, what do you like more? It's like I don't know. Radio is so fun because it's got to be new every day. You have to speak completely. You can't do the same thing you did yesterday, so it makes your mind work a certain way. But I like... Uh, we'll write that down, because we've, <laughs> we've been doing the same thing. Day yeah, day. I, yeah, maybe I, should, uh, I shouldn't uh, say it quite like that, because I've certainly repeated a few things. You know, if you, if you want like tranny jokes, boy, you can tune in any day of the week, and I'm firing them out. Right. Oh, it must be the 8 o'clock hours. So, yeah. But it, you know what I mean? It's got to be new content, and I, and I like that. And But I like the live audience, too. I like doing stand-up, because I like that punch of, of people respond. So so they're both kind of You're right. Different. It is too completely different because you get the reaction from yeah. a live audience where on radio, it's just if you've got people in the room, then you get that reaction yes. and, and you probably end up, you, you play to those guys and that's what you try to get them to laugh and you assume that everybody else is digging it too. You know, it's funny. I never think of it. It is it's the three of you in the room that I'm just talking like that's how I, it is with, with Zopia and Anthony.
Anthony was. Yeah. Well, we have guys in now. You know, Pete Davidson or whoever. You know, Burr comes in. It's just the guys in the room is all I'm thinking of, and maybe that's bad. I think it works and it hurts. Like you know, I, I don't care what the people in the cars are thinking right now because if you start wondering about that. I don't know. I'm going to panic and, and like try too hard to please everybody. Mm-hmm. If I don't care if they're enjoying this or hitting a pole to it, <laughs> then I tend to relax and, it, you know, it's just natural. Yeah. Right. People not enjoying it is one of the tenets, really, of our show. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely get that, too. I, I always assume that at least 80% of them are tuning me out, but the 20% will hopefully buy tickets. It's funny. You speak, you talk about that because we have a lot of comedians come through, and but you're one of the guys that when we, if we pre-promote it and we say Jim Norton's coming on, the reaction, we get get so much more reaction oh, good. on Twitter and all that sort of thing when it's you. And I think that's because of the radio, right? You, you, there's a different bond that you have with people through the radio, whether it's good or bad, than you have maybe with people who are doing comedy. They feel like they know you better yep. and they hammer you You're in right a fun about, way and in a bad way. You're right. It is good and bad. It's not just good. They, they're very connected. It's like a soap opera. And they feel like they are they are part of your life. So when they love you, they love you. But since Anthony's firing, you know, it's like a lot of the fans have been split. So a lot of them are very pissed off uh, at us. And, and I go on Anthony's show, and of course I do Opie every day. But some of them, when they when they get mad at you, they get really mad at you. So you have to accept it. That's part of having such a crazy fan base and such maniacal listeners. Is that. It's good and it's bad. But, yeah. I, I mean, I'll take it. It beats being indifferent. Uh, well, right. right. And uh, what's it? I don't know what it's like because we've never been on satellite radio. Is How are you judged? Is there a – you don't get ratings, we right? We never know. I know that they told us the only show on the platform that does better than ours is Howard. So I'm happy with that because, you know, that Stern is Stern. So I'm fine doing, you know, second to that is sure. okay. Um, they don't, I don't know if they know numbers. They always say that they don't know how to track people. I think they're kind of, uh, you know, come on, how do you not know? But they're saying that they genuinely don't. I don't know. Um, I think they do that. So they negotiate the contracts with you. They're like, well, we don't know how many people listen. Um, but they never try to take money away. So I I guess it, it works to our advantage too. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, there's a lot of stuff we had, I think it's been almost two and a half years since you were last here and like a ton of stuff has happened other than the changes on the radio show with different shows that you've been on. A lot of the friends that, that you have through comedy who have their own shows that have come and gone. I want to, I want to get into some of that stuff and and talk about some of those things coming up in a second. Uh, Jim Norton is here and we're going to chat more with him coming up next. All right, comedian uh, Jim Norton is with us in the studio. He's traveling around this great land of ours doing uh, shows. And you just did a, what was the last last special you did? The last special I shot in January, and it's uh, called Contextually Inadequate. That's right. And it aired in, um, I guess it was June or April or something. Uh, Originally on Epics. Epics and then Netflix. But what happened was it was doing so well on Netflix. I had three specials on Netflix. And then uh, the deal, because they were all Epics content, changed. So one day they just moved to Hulu. Like Epics is now with Hulu. That's where my specials are. And Hulu is a great platform. It's not quite as big as Netflix. It's like HBO and Showtime. At the, right. So I'm a little bummed that that happened. But on Hulu, I'm hoping that they continue to grow. But I had no say in that. I was trying to figure that out, too, because I knew I had watched some yeah. of it on Netflix. And then I went back yesterday. I'm like, I want to look at that again. And I'm like, it's not there. They're all on Hulu. Yeah. And it's, you know, after a certain amount of time, I, I owned the last two. I can license them back. But, you know, the deal is they give you money and then you shoot your special and they own it for like, you know, a couple of years. So right. there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. Gotcha. Frustrating. We were talking, it's funny, because if you don't know, Jim, uh, how would you describe your relationship with Ozzy Osbourne? 
You know, it's funny. My relationship with it, it was largely a fantasy relationship for most of my life. Where I was like, what, what would happen if I talked to him when I got to... I used to call Jet Records in England to try to find out how to meet him when I was like 14 and 15. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, I want to talk to Ozzy. And, uh, you know, they thought I was just an ass. And um, <laughs> I've gotten to know him over the years from interviewing him. And I kind of know the whole family now. So I'm, it's like, you know, we're friends. It's, it's, I, we don't, I, don't, you know, I don't see him every three weeks, but I've gone out to dinner with him and, uh, you know... That's surreal for you still? Yeah, it is. I mean, it took a while. It, it was all because of Sharon. I had interviewed her and Opie. Actually, uh, was so great because he kept going, he is the biggest fan of your husband. He's ferocious. He defends you. So she kind of liked that because she doesn't like when people crap on Ozzy. Mm-hmm. So she kind of took to me and trusted me to interview him. And she knew I wouldn't try to make a jerk out of him. And uh, it's funny. We just we were talking about the History Channel show that he's doing with Jack. I just interviewed Jack and I forgot to ask him about it. But Ozzy, I saw a picture of Ozzy at the... Uh, where was it? The Four Dumb Heads, Mount Rushmore. And I wanted to know what was he doing there, and I guess it was that history well, show. Well, that's what made me think of you is because I guess yesterday he was in San Antonio at the Alamo, and I didn't know the backstory that at some point years ago sure. he had whizzed on the Alamo Monument. Yes, yeah. he, was, he was. And banned from San Antonio for 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> they banned him. Yeah, that's hilarious. The whole, like, the whole city, like not just the Alamo, the whole city yeah, can't he, come in. Ozzy's not allowed in San Antonio. Well, he was there doing this history show, I guess, that's going to be on the History Channel, and he apologized officially and they decided you know what the ban is lifted and whatever and so he's uh he's allowed back in san antonio now good, good for him he's sober now and he's doing uh, quite well so I'm, I'm really happy for him he's uh every time i've seen him in the last like, couple of years he's been uh really, people have this illusion that ozzy isn't with it and he absolutely knows everything that's going on it's because he stutters and uh he's dyslexic so a lot of times he takes a second to spit it out but, you know, we were on the I, – I got lucky to go to a gig with him. Like, you know, Sharon let me ride with him to a gig. And, the whole, and he's talking about the Fukushima meltdown. Like, there's nothing he's not aware of that's happening. So, really? Yeah, yeah. People think that he's got this whole thing. And it's like you got to realize the guy did a lot of drugs. Sometimes it just takes a second. Right. But uh, <laughs> he's 100% lucid and with it, and he's doing really well. So And Jim, of course, is uh, the Opie show. It used to be Opie and Anthony yeah, show. Yeah, they call it Opie with Jimmy, but that feels too much like Opie and Anthony. I let Opie with Jim Norton I'm okay with because it's separate. It's not going to be. I don't want Opie and Jimmy because I'm not stepping in Ant's grave. And then you did uh, the TV. You did the Jim Norton show that yes. was on um, on Vice. Vice that was online and uh, it did well. But I, they're very disorganized, and I don't know if they didn't like it. We never talked to them again. It was so really? bizarre because they were. Good. Shane had told me I loved it. I, yeah, I thank you. I was very happy with it, and they were they're starting their own TV network. And I remember having a conversation with Shane, and he goes, "We're going to build your studio right in the corner." You know, he's got that Canadian accent, and we're going to just go with it. And he was really happy with it. And then I guess I think what happened was they went to five days a week on HBO. They're doing some news show, and that became all of a sudden all the focus went on that. Or maybe they didn't like it. I literally am not being evasive. Have not spoken to those guys. That's so weird. Don't I mean, know. And I mean, it was it was it was another one of these things. Like you do the stand up, so you get that crowd reaction. Then the radio's a little different. The TV thing, you had a live audience, but you also had that ability to have a one on one with somebody. And I, I saw you know Whitney Cummings, who's very funny. Um, and then you had uh, a tell on. Yes. And I mean, it was it, Dana White and Mike Tyson did the first episode together for me. And I know Tyson is a is a huge. Uh, I mean, of all the people you've interviewed, I, I saw you say Tyson is your favorite. He's. I mean, you know, I, I, Mike Tyson is. We had him again, like probably was it last week, last Monday, I think we had him. He's just amazing every time because there's nothing he won't talk about. There's yeah. nothing you talk about where Mike goes. I don't know about that. That's, <laughs> right. You guys know as interviewers, all you want is somebody who will go down any road you ask. That's it. That's right. all you want. You don't have to give me all the graphic details, but don't. 
stop me in my tracks when I mention something. And, and he's great. Yeah, and he's brutally honest too, right? Brutally. He doesn't try to give you that politically correct answer or what whatever his people have told him to say. Never. Sort of like you, and that's why part of the reason we love to have you, and you just, you're a lot funnier than us, but uh, you're not afraid, and, and you'll call it. You're like, look, I'm not being evasive. You know, I haven't talked to those guys. You know, it's funny. Yeah, he, he Last time he came in, sometimes he brings his wife, sometimes it doesn't, depends on how he's traveling. Last time his wife came in with him, and you'd think that a guy with his wife in the room, but no, he'd talk about hookers, and you know, he's just one of those guys, it's like she knows she married Mike Tyson, she knows what his past is like, and he's just, he's not afraid of it. And, uh, you know, it's funny, I, I all those years that Desiree Washington, he went to jail for rape, and I didn't know him, so I was like, I assumed it was, and then I heard him explain it, and when he explained it, I'm like, I actually believed him, because I finally heard it in his words, what he thought happened that night, and what, he's, it's like, when a guy explains it the way I would defend myself, I find myself believing him. Really? Interesting. Yeah, because he, he did a thing with that James Toback documentary, where he, what, he called her wretched, he's like, that wretched bitch, and I'm like, nobody who raped a girl would refer to her as wretched Usually you'd be like, well, that was in the past and she's a troubled girl. He came at her so angry and I'm like, that's how I would respond if I felt I was falsely convicted of something. Hmm. So I believed him. Huh. All right. We got to do this again. Jim Norton is here and uh, you can follow him at Jim Norton on Twitter. We chat some more coming up. Hang on. The Woody and Wilcox Show. So uh, Jim Norton is in the studio with us and he's uh, traveling around doing uh, great comedy. Uh, Check him out at JimNorton.com, at Jim Norton on Twitter. Um, we were talking off the air because I know that, uh, you know, your friends who are in the comedy world are some of my favorite comedians as well. Amy Schumer yes. and all those folks. And you were on her show a bunch on the yeah. inside Amy Schumer. When I went to see the movie Trainwreck, I expected to see you in the movie because a lot of the other folks are in it. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't see you in it. Was, yeah, I was really uh, very bummed. But what happened was I shot a scene. She wrote, They actually wrote me a really – she was very psyched about this scene. She's like, I have a great scene for you. So the scene is I play a horse and carriage driver, and I'm standing there in Central Park West, and her and Bill come up to me drunk, and they wind up snatching the horse and carriage. And we shot it, again, Central Park West over a two-night period. I'm literally running down the street at 3 o'clock in the morning screaming, that's my effing horse! It was so much fun to shoot this scene, screaming this stuff. Literally, Central Park West at 3 o'clock in the morning. And um, it wound up not making the movie. So, of course, my self-esteem is in the toilet. And I'm like, I stink. Uh, The scene must have sucked. And uh, they told me when I was doing the the ADR for it, like, no, it was just because Judd's movies tend to go a little long. It was just a length issue. There was no way to get into it sooner. So I watched the scene. It's on iTunes now. And uh, I'm very happy with it. Like, I'm like, okay, I wish it was in the movie, but I didn't suck in it. Because you know, I'm very critical of myself. I'm like, I always think I stink. So if I watched it and I'm happy with it, it literally, I believe their explanation. That has to be tough, though, when you're in a movie and you see yourself and you're like, God. A hundred million dollar movie I get yanked out. I mean, that's just the way my career has gone. But I, I, you know what I mean? If Amy's movie made eight million dollars, I would have been in it and they would have blamed me. The fact that it made a hundred million. But it is the way it is. You know, there's nothing you can do about it. It's life. And you, if you've never been on a movie set, they shoot it. How many times did you shoot it? Ten, fifteen? About that. Yeah. And I had to run. Because there was two nights. There was one scene where I have to run and knock a guy over, and then I have to run down Central Park West. And as I'm running and screaming, I, I probably had to run like two and a half blocks of, of full speed, chasing this horse and carriage, yelling. And then I have to get to a point where I run up to the side of it, and they had a stunt double actually jump in and get knocked out. So I had to keep pace for, for quite a while. And I, I didn't realize, like, I actually had pretty better cardio than I thought I did, because I did it probably 12 times. 
following a horse two blocks and I kept up. Um, that's how desperate I was to be in a movie. I'm like, whatever you want. <laughs> if you want to do anything else with a horse, I've seen that video from Seattle. I'm more than willing to do that. Just don't move your hands out of the way because I don't need to be, you know, wind up in the hospital. <laughs> I'm going to need the stunt double for that one, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, she's doing great and, uh, you know, Amy's doing great. All these people like uh, who I was around before, they just stepped on my dumb face. But, you know, Amy's been a good friend. I mean, she's put me in her show. She tried to put me in her film. So she's been one of those people that, you know, ha- has been a really great friend, even though she's, you know, doing so much better. <laughs> well, speaking of you being on the inside of the Amy Schumer, she did one of those pieces where they do, she calls it go deep, and she'll have somebody on who does a job that she doesn't quite understand and wants to talk to him like for three or four minutes. Right. And she had you on that segment talking about your sexual exploit. Yeah. And uh, I saw you recently talking about how you're trying to, what, uh, curtail your uh, activities? Yeah, stop spending as much. Just, you know, it gets to be draining after a while. It's not even about the sex. It's about the high of it, the whole, the hunt, the the dopamine drip in your head from doing it. But it's just boring at this point. But like, yeah, I've spent so much money. And, you know, people are like, why would you, that's kind of creepy and gross. But yet when Charlie Sheen admitted to spending 50 grand, they're like, oh, did you hear Charlie Sheen spend 50 grand? It's so weird how people are so bizarre with sex. But if you come out and you're telling a story about your drug addiction and your murder, and your time in prison, they're like, that was a heroic tale. But if you're talking about spending money on hookers, they're like, oh my God, you're a terrible person. I've just spent a lot and, um, you know, you try not to do it because it just, it it all feels the same after a while. It's not, it's not fun anymore. It's boring. How much money? I don't know. I literally am afraid to, my therapist one time was like, you ought to add it up. I'm like, no, how about I don't do that because I don't need to do that and then just all of a sudden I buy a rope from Home Depot. (laughs) Too much. It's been a lot of cash. But it's not even on sex. A lot of times it's on massages or stuff. It's not even a lot of times like where I'm doing something dangerous disease-wise. It's very banal, most of the activity. And I think I heard you on a different interview say that it's not even always about the activity, but somehow it's about you feeling compelled to pay money for it, whatever it is. Is that accurate or no? Sometimes you want no obligation. You know, it's like you don't, I don't like to lie to people. I don't like to, because there's plenty of fans that will do stuff. Believe me, regular women, you cannot imagine the things they will send you, the things they will talk about, the things they'll do. Yeah. But you start to feel like I'm not, like I'm a creep, but I'm not a predator. And I I can never lie to somebody and say, I love you if I don't. I don't want somebody who I know, because a lot of times women will go, oh, I just want a casual thing, but I know that they want more. And then you do the casual thing, and they get resentful that it's not going beyond that. Mm. And I don't like to do that, because that feels predatory. I, I almost like the cleanliness, so to speak, of saying we both understand what this is before we go into it. I know you don't like me that much. It's a transaction. You know that I'm not looking for anything more than just this moment, and we're both okay with it and walk away. It's more of a business deal. Yeah, but it's like I, I'm not gonna. I, I could easily lie to people. And go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give you whatever you want, relationship wise. And then you just treat them, you're a scumbag and you don't call them again. But that kind of feels creepy to me to do more right. than paying for it. Right. Well, it's funny that you say that because Wilcox and I were talking about this yesterday after the show in great detail. We say all kinds of things to each other, and he said, "Chelsea, are you excited about Jim coming in?" And I said, "Yeah," but I'm a little bit scared. Like I feel like he scares me a little bit. Because I feel like if you didn't do comedy, you may have been a serial killer. Well, those things are not mutually exclusive, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, the stuff I know about him and just the stuff that you said there, too. Like, Do you ever feel like you could have been a serial killer? No, although I've probably done the same amount of driving as most of them. Boy, I'll tell you one thing. They really do put miles on a car. If you're a used car salesman, there's nothing like a good Ted Bundy to... 
show up and make you know how happy you must be when one of those guys comes in. And we'll even take the passenger seat out for you, sir. <laughs> Uh, no, because, you know, serial killers are weird. They're violent. Like, I don't like any kind of violence in sex. I, I, I'm more, if a girl wants to spank me or bite me, I can handle that. Or I'll spank you. But sexual violence does nothing okay. for me. And I'm not into that kind of domination. Okay. Um, I'm into a woman being dirty on her own. I don't like to force. I don't like to manipulate. It doesn't turn me on at all. So, no. Uh, although I saw you putting your boots on before. I'm like, ah, oh, she's showing her feet. That was kind of hot. I watched that before. <laughs> oh, well, I kind of got a bit of a foot fetish in the last few years. Oh, well, I should have kept the flip-flops on then. What, I was what, like, what size feet in. do you have? I like larger feet. Do you have like eight and a halves? Uh, about an eight. Oh, that's still nice. Very good feet. Very good feet. I like okay. that. I'm an 11 and a half, Jim, if that helps. You know, it's funny. I, I, as much as I've, I've gone out with uh, trans girls, I can't go with a man's foot. It's, it just does nothing for me. You know? He has very dainty feet. Oh, all right, maybe. But no, something about a guy's feet is truly repulsive, uh, as it should be. I couldn't agree more with you on that one. Is there anything well, worse than a guy's feet? I mean, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I guess if you go up two feet, there is something worse. <laughs> <laughs> I was going right. to say penis, but yeah. Well, yeah. My husband I mean, has they, awful feet. Does he really? Yeah. yeah. I can imagine man's feet are just truly terrible. Not the best part of a man. No, I like a woman's feet to be a little stinky, though. You don't have to be co- totally clean. A little stinky, little underarm, not putrid. I don't like bad breath. But, again, a woman with a little, like, no deodorant in her feet are like, I was in the gym. I'm like, that's fine. Stick them on my face and just I'll lay on the floor. <laughs> oh, I thought I felt okay with the serial killer question, but now I'm, I'm back to square one with you. No, you should like that because I embrace what women don't like about themselves. I don't need you to be all fake and perfumed. If your feet are a little stinky, I'm fine. What, what good is my face if not cleaning your feet? <laughs> that's what I say. <laughs> I'm a true feminist. I embrace you as you are. You are. You're a patriot. That's awesome. Right. All right. Well, we don't have time to do this forever, unfortunately. So uh, Jim Norton is here. You should catch him. He is absolutely the funniest dude on the planet. Thank you. You guys do a fun radio show. You just have a conversation. You don't look for people to do bits. I, I like you guys a lot. Thank no, you. And that, oh, wow, that's thanks. one of the things I love about you, too, is that the, the interviews that you do, you're a real listener. You're not just, a, you don't just talk at people. And you see people. People on national TV yeah. who can't interview people who have good, high-paying jobs, and that's not a skill that everybody has. No, it's the weird. It's the weird. Like, so, what are you doing in town? It's like, don't you have a prep sheet, stupid? You know what I'm doing in town? They just want me to do a bit. And I'm like, I, I don't work that way. I'd rather right, not do yeah. the interview. Totally. I love just coming in and chatting. Yeah, absolutely. We do too. Well, thanks again, man. It's it's awesome right. to see. I'll you. Thank you. you. I'll and take I, off my boots, and Wilcox will feel your leg. I would appreciate <laughs> that a lot. I apologize for saying chatting like I'm my aunt. <laughs> oh, what a delightful chat. I really should just blow my. Brains all over the window. <laughs> there it is. That's what we what? needed. Yeah. Hey, Jim Norton just showed up. <laughs> <laughs> At Jim Norton on Twitter, jimnorton.com for other things. It's the Woody and Wilcox Show. What did we learn today on the Woody and Wilcox Show? I think we learned a lot for a Friday. I feel like we kind of did too, certainly. We learned that we'd like all of our presidential candidates to have a commercial that raps, kind of like Ben Carson. Can't wait to hear D's Nuts rapping in that commercial. That's really going to be a good time, don't you think? D's Nuts. D's Nuts. D's Nuts. D's Nuts. D's Nuts. D's Nuts. Maybe only eclipsed by Limberbutt McCubbins also doing a rap, which will be fantastic. We found out that a stapler can sometimes uh, shut down an entire school. We found out that a pregnant woman can be um, charged with assault with a deadly weapon after you take away her Oreos. But I don't know that that was something we didn't already know. Right. We found out that the drunkest city in the NFL is Buffalo. And Chelsea was very disappointed by that. She'd really like you to be drunker. 
We found out that there are certain things that you should do and shouldn't do in a football game. I'm not sure which one this is. Well, you see Fozzie right here. He's just going to hit that hole, that A-hole right there. Did a great job in opening up that hole. I think it depends on your point of view for that one. I say hit it. (laughs) And something about a sternum. Jared Allen recently signed from the Bears on a stunt. He comes clean, hits luck right in the sternum. Clean up. Huge thanks to uh, our buddy Jim Norton. One of the funniest dudes on the planet, JimNorton.com. Follow him on Twitter, at Jim Norton. Also, big thanks to uh, comedian Christopher Titus, who was on the show earlier this morning as well. Also a very funny dude. Traveling around right now. Catch him as well. Anything else you missed, you'll find it on the podcast after the show. Look for the Woody and Wilcox channel there on iHeartRadio. Thanks to the bulk of you for chiming in on various forms of social media. And wouldn't be right if we didn't go into the weekend without intern Dave telling us what he thought on the show today. Dave? Uh Another great show, guys. Really? It's the Woody and Wilcox Show. Everyone in this room is now dumber. Not for a second have I even dwelled on the fact that the show's over. I don't, uh... It's the Woody and Wilcox Show. I don't, uh, think about it. I, I try not to think about it, and therefore I, you know, don't... Why don't you stop talking for a while? Because it's a very healthy way to deal with something that is very ultimately not that important in the long run. It's not... Not, uh, not important at all. The Woody and Wilcox Show.